0: We are on the tail end, the last sermon, uh, the last part of a five-week series entitled "Bless." Okay, um, "Bless" is an acronym that we've used in various training circles to help move us as a people and form us as a people on mission um, for the glory of God. Okay, so today's uh, last sermon is is the last "S" in "Bless," which is Sabbath. Okay, now when I first kind of introduced this to a few people talking through it, immediately what happened was they hear Sabbath and they go to a couple texts, okay? You go to Genesis 2, where God creates in the first six days, and on the seventh day, he rests, and he creates the Sabbath day. He creates this day. He blesses it. He makes it holy. And so we look back to that. Okay, so God did that. We do that. Okay. Um, the next text we usually go to, uh, whether or not we'd realize the address or not, is, is usually in Exodus chapter 20, when God gives the Ten Commandments through Moses, and we get this commandment now from God that we should keep the Sabbath holy, that, that we should live in the Sabbath, that this should be part of our lives, that it's meant for the people of God. And so those are usually the two texts that we go to. But there's a third that I really want to form our conversation today. There's a third, uh, a third verse and third text that I think gets left behind a little bit and gets caught up in a lot of the theology behind the word Sabbath, and that comes from Mark 2 in verse 27. It says, "As The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay. So, so the Sabbath was made for you, The Sabbath was made for me. We were not made for the Sabbath. And so, what's happening here is Jesus is working on the Sabbath. And people looking from the outside are saying, Well, what are you thinking? You're supposed to keep the Sabbath day holy. There's supposed to be no work. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And they're calling him out left and right. And he's like, Listen, we weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. The rest was made for us. God gave us this as a gift to be used for our benefit. And so that's kind of the driving thrust, the foundation of where we want to go today, especially in the context of what we're looking to do in this series, which is to form and shape us to be a community that loves God and our city really, really well. And I think it's done a good job. So over the last four weeks, we've done bless, listen, eat, and speak. And how do we communicate those things, that part of the gospel, to our city and to one another? And here's the deal. I I sent out a couple links and said, share some stories with us if you're beginning to see some of this actually work. And I'll tell you, it was a really neat four weeks for me to receive story after story after story of people experiencing and giving the blessing that we receive from God. And so I thank you for you guys partaking and allowing this series, allowing the word of God to help form us to be the church, to be the community that this city sorely needs, okay? Today we wrap that up. Today we wrapped up, so here's my fear a little bit is that we'll get done with this series and a lot of the practical stuff that we've done over the last four or five weeks, we'll just move back into Romans next week, get kind of safe in our church huddle, safe in theology, safe in studying all the good news that we'll read in it, and then we'll forget the fact that we're supposed to bless the world. And so I pray today is kind of a capstone moment. Let's just get a stamp on everything we've learned that sends us out out of this room to love each other and love our city really, really well. Now... In the midst of this word Sabbath, in the midst of um, this understanding, rest is not something that we do too well with, okay? Like, like we struggle to rest, and and even, it was funny, because yesterday I was sitting down and I was having, uh, I don't know what we were doing, we were having dinner as a core team over at Salsa Brava, fantastic, and and, and someone says to me, like, what'd you do today? And I said, oh, you know, I got up and worked. And then uh, watch soccer game and that kind of stuff. And he says, you worked? It's Saturday. And I, and I literally, knowing I was going to preach this sermon today, said, yeah, what do you think I do on Saturdays? And <laughs> he's like, take the day off? I said, no way. You see, we're really bad at rest. And I think we go one uh, of two ways with Rest. Uh, one of two ways, and it's not always that we always do one or always do the other. I think oftentimes we switch back and forth and we'll do both, okay? And so the first way is I think we evade it, okay? We, we evade rest. And so um, we know rest is there for us to have and to take, but we say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to step to the side because this stuff is more important. Right, there's a a list, a to-do list of things that have priority in my life over the rest that is offered and so let me do those and eventually I'll get to it. And so even the times where, I mean, you're just tired, right, you're wore out, but you're like, okay, I gotta get to this first, then I'll rest. But usually you'll get to that and then you'll go to the next thing and say, you know what, I just can't, now's not the time, I'm too busy, and so on and on and on, and we evade this rest and we make an idol out of being busy. Like how many times? I, let me say this. I can't tell you how many times when I sit down, or if I just come and talk to you guys, I say, "Hey, how's your week?" Oh, it's busy, man. It's just so busy. It's just life. It's busy, and I'm busy, and I'm like a bee, man. It's a busy, busy, busy bee. And I'm like, "That's stupid." No, I say, "Listen, are you really?" And if they say yes or no, and they'll tell me why. I say, "Okay, well, well, why? Why are you so busy?" What, what is it that you feel has to get done before you can take a breather? Before you can allow rest to be actually part of your life as we'll see it's supposed to be. Okay. So I, I think one way is we, we evade it. I think the other way is we exploit it. So we either evade it or we exploit it. And So um, the Bible often talks about this in terms of sloth. Laziness. Right? Like, you, I, you just idolize rest and idolize sleep. Like for some reason in our culture... Napping is like trending, like on Twitter. It's like you, you Instagram yourself sleeping. That's the culture we're in. We're like all of a sudden, it, we exploit this good gift. God has said no, like, and we'll get rest, be at peace, close your eyes, be recharged. And then you take that and say, all right, well, I'm going to sleep for 14 hours, never work. And so you replace, instead of going, okay, I'm going to work for six days, rest on the seventh, I'm going to work for one, you get it. The other way around. (laughs) Work for one, rest for six. And so then again, we kind of make this another idol. We exploit this. It has, man, I need my rest. I have to have it. And so then you forego things that maybe God's asking of you because you've created this reality where you have to have this thing. And so I think these are kind of the two things that we tend to find. And my drive today is that we wouldn't evade it, we wouldn't exploit it, but here we go because I'm a pastor, three E's, alliteration, we would employ it. Okay? So we don't evade it, we don't exploit it, but we employ it. In other words, like an employee, you hire an employee for a role, for a purpose, for a reason, to do and fulfill the purpose, reason, and job description. That's what rest is for to us, to employ it well, to take what God said about rest put it into our lives, put it into our rhythms, and say, I will do this in its rightful place that I would flourish and give glory to God in my life. That's the desire. That's what we hope to accomplish. That's why at the end of this, that we would learn what this means, how to do it, and then we'd walk, and be, and walk in obedience and be those people that rest well for the sake of God's glory. So that's the type of rest we want to pursue today. And the truth is, and we're going to see this, and and start turning to Hebrews chapter 4 in your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, Hebrews 4, verse 1. And as you're turning, this rest that we speak about today, hear me, hear me on this. The rest that we talk about today is available to every single person in this room and every single person in this world, regardless of your schedule. Okay? Okay? Regardless of how many hours you work, regardless of how many children you have, regardless of, and insert the thing that makes you busy, the rest that we talk about today is a rest that is offered to everyone in this world, regardless of the business of their lives. Okay? And so Hebrews 4, verse 1 says this Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Okay, so we're in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews, up to this point, is talking about Jesus. He's a true and greater, he's better. Look to him, trust him, place faith in him, on and on and on, okay? He comes to chapter 4, building off the end of chapter 3, where he introduces this, this kind of breakdown of Psalm 95 from the Old Testament. And he's going through Psalm 95 and talking about this rest and how it's offered to us today, but the Old Testament Israelites, the Old Testament people of God, that they missed it. And so he says, beware, caution yourselves because if you look back to history, there was a rest that was offered to them, but they did not receive it. They did not enter into it. And so the two things juxtaposed here, the contrast that the author gives us is between the people of God in the Old Testament, Israel, and the church today. And to say, hear me on this, both groups have been presented with good news. Both groups had things that they wanted to happen, things they wanted to see, and they were given those things, presented with those things, and yet one responds in faith and the other doesn't. One receives it and the other doesn't. And so we see the good news forming itself to be in the Old Testament is that the people of God, as you go back to Psalm 95, the people of Israel were delivered from Egypt, okay, brought into a new covenant with God with the hope of entering into the promised land. Okay, okay. So, so you had, you had these, these, peop- these people, right? You had Israel drawn together for God's purpose, God's pleasure, and they are taken from Egypt, delivered from Egypt, brought into a relationship and covenant with God, and then they are promised, hey, look forward, here's where we're going, the promised land. What do they do with the good news? Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. Us, we too, presented with good news. We too, delivered, delivered from Satan, sin, death. Brought into a new covenant, founded and solidified by the sacrifice of Jesus, and looking forward to a promised land. Right? The promised land. Capital P, capital L, promised land, heaven, hope, eternity secured for us. So again, good news for us. What will we do with it? So Paul says, then both groups given good news. They can enter into rest in the truth of what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do, or they can reject it and go their own way, find rest in their own means. What are we going to choose? And so he calls to the church and listen, beware, because this was the option before, and it seemed not to work out too well. And so what will you do with it? Verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Again, Psalm 95 there. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Now, there's something very profound happening here. Okay, something very profound happening here. Because he's saying, okay, it, it, both of these things have been offered. Rest has been offered. Good news of rest and peace have been offered to the people of God, and the response need only be faith. There's nothing more to do. The only response for you, the only response for me, necessary to enter into this rest is Faith is belief. They believed so they entered his rest. They did not believe so they did not enter his rest. Faith being the the clincher. You see, when we start talking about being tired and we start talking about we don't have enough rest, well, usually we say, well, I've got too much on my plate. And maybe you do, maybe you do. Or, man, I've just got too many things going on in my life right now. Um, and the busyness of my life is necessary and mandatory. At a heart level, this is just kind of where we operate. And so then the answer to those claims about ourselves are, man, well I got to get rid of something. I got to cut out something. I've got to. I got to sleep more. I got to take more naps. I got a whatever it might be that is a physical response to, hear me, is an internal problem. Okay. Like th- what's going on, the reason why we sit restless, the reason why we sit without peace is not because your schedule is busy, it's not because you have too much going on, it's because you don't understand the rest that is offered. Simply by understanding what Christ has done for you. Simply by, by sitting in the realities of what Christ accomplished on the cross. We still think we need to work. We still think we need to do something. So when we're tired, we need to fix it. We think work, we think an extra thing of work, a little more work, will free up this time. When all we really need to do is look to the gospel. Look to the one act of work on the cross through Christ. He works on your behalf that in faith you're set free from this weird thing of performance that we have. With this weird need to think, okay, if I, he might have done it, but if I don't keep earning this thing, then it's going to go away. And on and on and on and on, we come up with these reasons of how to fix ourselves instead of what... Just believe, just have faith, understand, reflect on the cross, reflect on Jesus and how he keeps us from these things. That's, that is the profound good news of what's happening here. And so even in the pursuit of this rest, we say, okay, okay if even if it's not sleep, it often becomes other idols of our lives. And so things that are often good become greater than they should be, right? Right? So, uh, so for me right now, the World Cup, <laughs> right? Like kind of obsessed. It's a good thing. The World Cup's a good thing. I've played soccer since I was five. I, I see beauty, believe it or not, and it's actually called the beautiful game in Brazil. I see beauty when guys play soccer at a high level. Like I, I mean, I just see the intricacies of the way that the ball moves around. I see intricacies in the stories behind the people, and I enjoy it, and I see God in these things, but, man, when it's taken up six to nine hours of my day, it's not restful, right? It's not restful. Joseph knows what I'm talking about. Video games, right? And I'm not up here to hate on video games. I don't like playing them a ton. Some of you love them. That's fine. But when you're spending all of this time and then you come to me and say, I'm just so tired. Maybe if you didn't spend six hours staring at a screen. Maybe. Maybe if you spent it directed a little other direction. Maybe if it wasn't focused on these idols of our lives that we think will take care of us, right? If if it wasn't was okay. I'm so tired, so I just need to get home, lay back on the couch, have the bag of chips and the 64 ounce soda, and watch TV for the next four hours. Now, nothing wrong with TV, nothing wrong with video games, nothing wrong with soccer. But when they become these idols that will solve what we think is the problem of our lives, they become a big issue. When you try and solve your restlessness, when you try and solve the lack of peace that you have with external things, it's just not gonna work. God, again, through, through the author here in Hebrews, just believe. Jesus is the answer, right? Jesus is the answer, and, and honestly, I get it. If you've been coming to this church, that's how we land every single week, and maybe it gets redundant. Jesus is the answer. You're like, ah, okay, I get it. Jesus is the answer, If you're tired today, Jesus is the answer. If you're wore out today, Jesus is the answer. If you're overwhelmed with life, Jesus is the answer. We can't say it enough here. We need to constantly be reminded of this because we keep wanting to trend towards and track towards, I can figure this out if I do this thing. Just believe. See what he's done for you. And then walk in that, okay? Verse six. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, that contrast. Verse seven. Again, he points a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Okay, this is again the story of the the Exodus story. Joshua leading the people into the promised land. Okay, saying this is where we're going. This is what's happening. Verse nine. So then, because of this, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Okay. So again, Today, this is the reality for you. Okay. The, it, you don't have to wait till you've finished some things. Right? You, you don't have to wait until the house is clean enough. You don't have to wait until the yard is done enough. You don't have to wait until enough of your paper is written. You don't have to wait for, and then again, insert what your thing is that you stress out out about to the point of it just breaks you down and makes you more tired than anything else. That today, this present moment, the reality for those in Jesus is the offering of a rest and a peace that exists regardless of what you've got going on. It's, It's a rest not based in this world. It's a rest not based on you, it's a rest wholly and completely based in Jesus and the work that he has already accomplished on your behalf. We spend so much of our lives worrying and running a rat race to try and perform for the people around us and, and dare I say, even God, that we've got to prove ourselves to him. Okay? It's not the gospel. That's, that's, that's not the gospel that we see throughout Scripture. It says, man, let, let go of the performance. Let, let go of this, this innate, this thing that's in you for whatever reason because of sin that says that you've got to prove yourself to the person to the left and right of you this morning. This peace only comes when you realize that Christ has already done everything for you that need be done. You don't need to worry about what the person thinks because you're secure in the value that Christ has given through his shed blood on the cross and his resurrection on the third day to give you new life that when God looks at you, he sees not your sin, but sees Jesus. That type of peace, the Bible, right? The says a peace that surpasses all understanding. That type of peace leads us to rest. In other words, you will not experience that blessing of external rest if inside you're still in shambles. And so, and so sit, and, and the answer is Jesus. Rest in Jesus. You're worried about your future. Go to Jesus. Let the internal then speak to the external. Um, a buddy of mine's a nutritionist. Uh, no, he's not. His wife's a nutritionist. He's a, uh, physic- I think, a physical therapist or something. I don't know. They're just very fit. And, uh, and so he's always just saying, like, hey, man, you know, like, you wanna go on a bike ride or whatever it is? And I'm like, ah, you know, I'm just gonna eat. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so he's just an amazing guy, and, and I used to do a ton of that stuff, and I, and I remember I was talking to him even just recently, and he's saying to me, he's like, you know, because I haven't been sleeping very well, and that could be because my wife is 31 weeks pregnant or whatever and kicks me all night and hates me. Um, <laughs> or, <laughs> or it could be because, um, man, I spend a lot of my day behind a computer just kind of sitting there typing away and doing stuff, right? He says to me, man, what, what, do you, what does your daily kind of look like? How much do you move and get around and stuff? I said, not a ton. You know, I'm just doing whatever. And he says, you know that the more time that you spend exercising, like you'll be more tired and you'll actually sleep better. Like at night, your body would actually be tired for reasons that it should be tired for. You'll sleep better and you'll wake up more rejuvenated. So by actually working on expending energy, you'll wake up with more energy the next day because your body actually sleeps. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty interesting. And we gotta think about this and how this applies to this. And, and I think it comes down to verse 11, which we're gonna land on today, which says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. That there is an active participant role to the way that we approach and try and move and incline our hearts and minds to Jesus. That we don't just sit there on the couch experiencing rest and just do nothing. That we try and discipline our mind to think of the things of God. Our heart to be inclined to love God. And we put ourselves in positions to do things that remind us of the good work that he's accomplished on the cross. We strive to enter this stuff. Because as we do, God then replenishes. As we put in the work, God blesses with the rest that we enter into. Again, in faith, not by you doing a bunch of stuff, not performing for each other, but entering into a rest by placing your mind and your heart and your soul on what Christ has accomplished, okay? And so we say this here a lot. We say, find the things that stir your affections for Jesus and do them often, right? Right? And that's what, what's so great about that is, man, a lot of you hate soccer, and I know it by your Facebook posts, right? Very rude. Um, some of you love movies. Some of you love parks, and, and blankets, and bunnies, and stuff like that. And so, some of you love hiking. Some of you love running. Some of you, I mean, on and on, right? Everyone has these things. And honestly, as I sit down and I begin to talk to people about stuff that they do, I say, why do you enjoy doing that? And honestly, when you get down, you peel away the layers, and at a heart level, it inclines them into into who God created them to be, the image of God in them to enjoy his creation, to enjoy the things that he's done. And so find the things that stir your affection for Jesus and do them. I think one of the hardest parts of me moving inland from San Diego, California was that one of the things that really did it for me was surfing. And there is not an ocean close to here, okay? Amen. Although I heard global warming's picking up and we could be set pretty soon here. Some of you are like, there's no such thing. Um, I don't know why I said that. Uh <laughs> Find the things that stir your affections for Jesus and do them. I know, listen, I get it. Practically, ready? I know you're busy. And when I said earlier, when I sit down and talk to you guys, you said, told me you're busy. Some of you, man, you told me you're scheduled. I'm like, yeah, you're busy. You've got a lot of stuff going on. But listen, the same way that we, we seek to give of our first fruits of, we always talk about in our tithe and our offering and our finance, right? we give our first fruits to God. I man, We give our first fruits of our time to God. It means you look at your week and you look at your schedule and don't, don't block it off as in this is sacred, this is, like this is God time and the rest is non-God time, but just say, I'm gonna be intentional with just saying, man, these are the things that I know make me love God. There's just certain things in my life that when I do them, I just see Jesus. Like if it's spending time with friends, I just see Jesus. And so, man, make time for those things. Enter into. Remind yourself consistently of who Jesus is, what He's done for you. You will experience greater rest than any nap you could ever take. Most naps, you wake up more groggy than when you went to sleep anyway. Right? You wake up like, well, that no, that was terrible. That was terrible. Wish I hadn't have done that. And so, just just find those things and, and do it. Do it all the time. Do it all the time. I was looking and studying some stuff this week, and, and this is kind of where we want to land. And it was this idea that, that in, in this rest, that there is this kind of this before, this present, and this future reality. These, these kind of three realities all existing in one story, and we have to look really at all three to really get the depth of this rest that we can enter into. And so these are the three applications for us and the way I want us to kind of work this out. And, and the first one is through creation commemoration. Creation, commemoration. In other words, man, we look back. Same as God, right? God on the seventh day, he looks back on the six days of creation, he says, man, that was fantastic, I'm really good, and then it's like, I'm just gonna take a day off. That we would look back on creation. And I invite you guys, don't just look back on, listen, what God's done in the beginning, but look at his story, look at what he's done to this point to bring us and bring you to where you're at today. Reflect on those things, celebrate Christ. Celebrate the work of, of, of him in your life since the foundations of the world, okay? Creation commemoration. Um, and, and I think that works itself in a few different ways. One is observe, right? Observe what's going on around you. Observe and think about the things that God's done. But, but the next one is man, celebrate. Celebrate this reality. So when you, when you see these things, don't just say, oh yeah, that happened, that was great, but celebrate those things, I think that as we celebrate again, we are inclined towards God, and we find the rest that we can enter into. Um, uh, myself and uh, and a handful of us in here, we are back to soccer. It's World Cups on, and um, and we're big fans of a, a team in England called Liverpool, and uh, they're called that because they're they're in the city of Liverpool, and um, they are God's favorite team and amazing and all that, and. Uh, and at One game, we're watching this game, and um, we, we were tied, I believe, if I can remember the story, um, and then we, we score, and it was just kind of the U.S. situation when we won the other night, and you're hugging people you don't really know and stuff like that, and it's weird, um, but what happens is, is we're all there, we're watching this game, we're excited, things are good, and there was this celebratory moment that, uh, that, that, that just made me think about, man, what does it look like when we really get joyful about something, Right? Um, and, and there was this, this guy his name's Josh Zyman, and he's in kids ministry right now so I don't know if you can hear me but we score and I think Joseph and I right up front here we're already hugging and embracing one another like brothers and here comes Josh running halfway across the room and I kid I'm gonna do it but if I hurt myself I'm sorry okay so he runs and this is, this is his act and like okay so that was pretty good um wraps his legs around Joseph and I, just full go, bear hugs us, but doesn't put his feet back in the floor, and so we all fall over and hit our heads on stuff. I mean, just it was this leaping fall over situation, and then we were all in pain, okay? That's the type of celebration I think we should have. I'm serious. Like, there's something that would motivate a 22-year-old male to leap on two other males in that way that moved him in joy. And I think honestly that as we begin to fully understand and reflect and celebrate the realities of what Christ did on the cross and even go all the way back to creation and think through all that God has accomplished to bring us here today, and we should be jumping for joy. We should be leaping on each other. Okay, safely, be safe. Next one, experiential salvation. Okay? Creation, commemoration, experiential, salvation. In other words, man, the present reality of your life. That, yeah, you're, you're saved, but it, it doesn't just, it's not this get out of hell free card situation that you are here today, that you work out the benefits and the realities of being saved today by the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart, living at peace and in joy and reflection of the work that Christ has done. The scripture that Steve came up and read before, Matthew 11, 20, 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Go to Jesus, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, if you're here and you love Jesus, this, this experiential aspect of the peace in salvation is offered today. You need not worry about what's around you. You need not perform for God. You don't need to work this out. You are in him at peace and at rest. Go to him, all who are heavy, all who are just bogged down by the world. He'll bring peace and rest to your souls and work out that aspect of your salvation. Okay. And then, again, you'll just begin to see things. Also in the midst of this, as you're doing these things that move you towards Jesus, just begin to see things that remind you of God. Right? You just see things that remind you of God. And we, as a pastor, we call these things illustrations. Right? And those, those are all the st- stupid, random stories that we give up here from every pastor you've ever heard. Right? But, but again, this week, and this is my final soccer analogy, I'm just very excited for this afternoon. Um, I was watching the USA Ghana game again on repeat for the third time. And uh, it's great because there's no commercials or halftime when you do that. But so I'm watching the game, and we're up 1-0. Ghana scores in the 84th minute, okay? Ghana scores in the 84th minute, and, and I already knew that this was going to happen, but it happened, and I was still hurt, right? I was like, gosh, that's terrible. But I tell you what happened. 84th minute, they just scored their goal. They're running around dancing. I said, wait till the 87th minute my friends cuz there will be victory okay and literally my heart immediately went to man on friday a thief but on sunday a king that on friday we nailed him to a cross and we beat him and we bruised him and we killed him and in that day it made very little sense to us but we know that sunday's coming And we know there's victory. And so we sit in the realities that we have a savior who in the greatest act of work that this world would ever know, laid his life down that we wouldn't have to. And rose, defeated death that we could. And so we reflect on the past, we sit in the present, and then we long for the coming future. We have end time anticipation for the promised land and the thing that we are now called to that as we sit in this world and all the pains and all the busyness that it offers us that we know this is but a glimmer of what is to come that we are trending towards a victory that is greater than anything this world could ever offer now I want to say this last thing if you're here and you're just and Christ isn't that for you He's never been that for you. You've always had questions. Maybe you even grew up in church, but then you're like, you know what, I'm out. This is not for me. I'm done. And, and I, get, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the church. I was 18 when I got saved. And so I get that story of what unbelief really looks like. But if you're here today and that's your story, I, I want to invite you to just take a real, real hard, real introspective look at, at what the world has offered and the way that they promote peace for you. And the way that they promote, hey, this is going to solve the problem. And I'm going to guess that 9 out of 10, 99 out of 100, you're going to see it just didn't work out. Take a risk and step out in faith and believe Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, giving you the only peace and the only rest that this world wishes it could give. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thanks for rest. Thanks for the practical aspects of it. I mean, we do thank you for sleep. Sleep is good. Naps are good. Hobbies are good. But God, they are just, they are outworkings of the rest that you give us. They're um, they're just, they're just things that we get to do and partake in that help reflect the rest that is offered us. Get behind me, Satan. And, uh, and Lord, we just celebrate you today. We pray that as we get to sing, God, we sing because, yeah, you've just, you've set us free to sing as, as fools. God, you set us free to sing without really caring about what uh, this world thinks. God, that we are rejuvenated by your presence and rejuvenated through inclining our hearts and minds and faculties to you. And so I pray for us over the next 20 to 30 minutes that God, as we sing, as we respond, Lord, will we be able to just understand you in deeper and greater ways. Heavenly Father, would you bless us this morning as we seek to look more like your son, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.